If you have your Bible, uh, turn to it. If not, there is a pew Bible in front of you that you're welcome to t- uh, pull out and use. <clears throat> this morning I'm going to deal with uh, rotten speech. Uh, and I think this probably in the book of the Ephesians and the things that he talks about, Paul does. I think speech is, is an area that uh, we've, we violate quite a bit. Um, I've done this myself. When we say things without thinking, when we hurt people, uh, when we do things. Um, so I'm not going to stand up here either and just play the hypocrite and tell you that, that I don't misspeak because we all misspeak. And uh, we need to be real careful about that in, uh, in our lives. Um, but I'm thankful that when we do sin, we can run to Jesus and ask his forgiveness and he forgives us. When we come to him with broken hearts and when we hurt people and say things we shouldn't, he's always there to... Uh, that we can come to and uh, and find forgiveness for that. And so that's my encouragement to all of us, is that we would not just uh, continue to, in the way we are, that we would really change, have a heart change, that we would really desire to please God with our lives, not only uh, in our jobs, but also in what we say. We saw in verse 25... Uh, truth-telling versus lying. We saw in verse 26 of Ephesians chapter 4, that is, uh, we addressed sinful anger. In verses 27 and 28 was uh, uh, just being a good, hard worker versus stealing. And then this morning in verse 29, I want to look at the topic of of speech. And uh, particularly... Uh, rotten speech. And let's read now this verse in uh, Ephesians 4 together. Paul says again, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So I'm going to break this down as we go through this. And by way of introduction, I want to look at three things. Uh, first of all, aren't you glad that we have speech? You know, we tell each other we love, love each other. We can uh, uh, just communicate uh, with one another and enjoy one another. And uh, so God uh, gave us a tremendous blessing, and that is being able to speak. And uh, it's one of the human characteristics uh, that reflect our likeness to God. Because God speaks, and we're like Him. And let us never forget that. Um, And yet, speech distinguishes us from the animal world. Think about it. Ducks quack. Dogs bark, cats meow, cows moo, birds sing, chickens cluck, pigs oink, lions roar. And uh, 
there's a list that's endless there. But that's all they do. Now, they may make some, some different sounds and what have you. But really, human beings are the ones who can really communicate, that have a language that, that expresses feelings and emotions. And uh, so that's a great blessing uh, that we have. And uh, really, human speech is evidence of intelligent design. Is it not? It, it separates us from the animal world to be able to reason, communicate. Evolution, of course, says that all this took place over billions of years and, and uh, yet only man can speak. Why aren't other animals, why haven't they evolved where they're speaking and so forth? Well, because the scriptures tell us that man is special. That man is made in the image of God. And, and part of that is speaking. So what a blessing. What a blessing that is. Uh, really every time we speak or hear speech. We are reminded of our creator. Who has used man to speak through. Think of that. God uses man to speak through him to other men. And he's done that in the past. You know, it's really interesting, though, how the Bible says that uh, the heavens speak. Psalm 19, 1 through 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. And so we, we, uh, uh, we even the heavens, even the things God has created, speak forth. And they're intelligent uh, design is demonstrated in all that he has created. Uh, and that's, let us never forget that. But yet we find out, uh, even though this is very clear, Romans 1 tells us that the world suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. Uh, not, they cannot comprehend uh, the truth. Um, but without speech, many wonderful things would have never been accomplished and communicated. One of them is this wonderful book, the Word of God. Think about that. What a blessing that is for us. And it came through God speaking to man. That's how much he loves us, that he left us his word. He spoke through us. Listen to what David said in, in 2 Samuel 23, 2. And actually, read on down from that. I just chose this one verse. David said, this is at the end of his life. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. That's how much God loves us, that he would use man to speak. Secondly, uh, by way of introduction, speech is also not only a blessing, 
is dangerous. It's a danger because of sin. If we had no sin, what we would speak would be beautiful all the time. But it's because of sin. Uh, The tongue, the Bible said, is full of deadly poison because of sin. We have in uh, James 3, 5, 6, 8, and 10. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. In verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise, See, blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. That's what he's telling us uh, this morning. So fire can be very destructive, but also fire can be very good because it warms you. So there's blessing and cursing. Uh, Which one are we doing? Which one are you doing by what you say? Do you think about what you said after you've said it? Do you think before you speak what you're going to say, before you say it, and all of that? I, this is so important in our lives because there's so much idle speak. Just speak, 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 speak. And sometimes I don't think we really know what we're saying and what damage that's doing. Uh, there's been damage done through slander, insults, taunting, mocking, jeering, cursing, uh, Vindictive words, hateful words, misleading words, soul-destroying heresies, conscious defiling suggestions, destroying reputations, church-splitting gossip, etc., etc. And the list is endless. And sadly to say, uh, it comes through speech. Also, we see this as a great prominence given in the Bible. This, this whole area of speech. You find it in Proverbs, Psalms, uh, uh, of course here in Ephesians and, and James, and, it, the, and Paul speaks about it over and over again, how important it is to uh, communicate, yes, but communicate properly is the key here. Uh, this whole area of speech is not just a minor thing, Okay. This is reading, writing, arithmetic, the three R's. That's how important it is. It's not basket weaving in the, in the world of uh, study. This is uh, brain surgery, if you will. That's how important speech is. And Paul is driving that home. Uh, I think probably the tongue is uh, more than anything else uh, is sinful. We do more sinning with the tongue probably than any other way unless our faults. But what comes out of our thoughts is our speech. So they're really tied together. Uh, There's six biblical principles concerning speech, I think, from this one verse. Uh, First of all, we are accountable to God for our speech. 
We're made in his image. Uh, we're image bearers to reflect his glory, to be like him so people can say, oh, that's what God's like. He's loving. He's gracious. He's, wow, I would like to be like that. But do they see that from what we say? Pretty convicting, really. I said this, is, this was very difficult making up because of the conviction of it. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. Jesus said, I, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for what? Every idle or empty word they have spoken. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Why? Because it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. It's that important. <clears throat> we better think before we speak. God is Lord over your lips. Psalm 12, 3 and 4. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Those who say, by our tongues we will prevail. Our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? That's a lot of people's attitude. The Lord is Lord over us. And he should be Lord over our tongues. He's Lord over our lips. <clears throat> In that sense, we don't have freedom of speech because God is the master of what we say. Uh, you shouldn't just say whatever comes to your mind because you're not your own. You're bought with the price, the precious blood of Christ. And so you're not your own. And since you're not your own, you just don't speak whatever comes to your mind as a believer. And then secondly, uh, the second principle, we are to exercise discipline or control over our speech. Paul says, don't let any corrupt speech come out of your mouth. Uh, somehow or another, we need to keep corrupt speech from coming out of our mouths. First of all, you've got to see what corrupt speech is. And you have to pray that God would show you what to say and not to say. David said in Psalm 39.1, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my... See, in other words, this is responsibility is what this is. You now have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And so... The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say and not to say, and you know it. We say things purposely sometimes to hurt people. I, uh, David said, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. Put a muzzle on your mouth. Uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty clear, is it not? Uh, James says to bridle the tongue. And of course, this speaks of control. Guard what you say. Don't speak your mind. Don't speak without thinking. Uh, James 119. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. 
everyone should be quick to do what? Listen. Think. Slow to speak. And slow to become angry, which we've already dealt with. But slow to speak. Do you think about what you're going to say and mull it over before you say it? Or or do you have your answer before somebody's even through talking to you and you interrupt them with your genius? Sad to say I've done that and had to apologize. I'm sorry I didn't let you finish. Keep going or what have you. I'm not being a good listener. I'm not quick to listen, but I'm quick to speak because I know it all. You better listen to me. That's sometimes our attitude, and it's the wrong attitude. Think before you speak. Of what is said, somebody said, how it is said, when it is said, why it is said, and to whom it is said. And then the last one I'm going to deal with, how much is said. Whoa. How much is said. You think you're going to be heard because of your much speaking? Scripture says that's not the case. The tone of the voice we're responsible for. The tone of the way we speak is so important. Janine, I love you. Do you really think that I love her? You, You know, she would say, boy, I'm sure glad you don't hate me. Okay? The tone of of what you say. You know, it's interesting. Jesus said in John 10 that my sheep hear my voice. It's interesting that the Greek word is phone, uh, and it means to uh, hear the sound. They hear my tone. In other words, they hear that I really love them. Because that's what you get when you read the scriptures. You see, Jesus really does love you. The word is not logos. Jesus is the word. But here he said, listen to my tone. Listen to my sound of what and how I say it. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. He says, I love you in the right tone. It's really important to say, sweetheart, I love you so much. See, that's a lot different. You know, your wives can pick up men and your friends when you really mean something and you don't mean it. You know, because she said, just say it like you mean it. And that's so true because we can be so shallow and, and crass and empty and with no feelings at all. Thirdly, our speech must never be corrupt. Interesting, the Greek word here for corrupt is used in the New Testament for things that are rotten. And that's why it said rotten speech. Things that are decomposing, like rotting fruit, rotting animals. Now, do I have to go and explain to you what a rotting bunch of fish smell like? I don't think I do. But that's what he's saying here. Don't let any rotten speech come out of your mouth. Gross. This is a graphic word to describe what should not come out of your mouth. Paul's very clear here. The word corrupt here shows three things. It shows, first of all, the condition of our hearts. Our hearts 
are a cesspool that we need to understand what's in our heart. What did Jeremiah say about it? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah said it very well, didn't he not? And Jesus said in, verse, in Matthew 15, 18, and 19, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from what? And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, false testimony, slander. Jesus said it pretty clearly. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, secondly, we see there is a great uh, effect that rotten speech has on other people. What we say can corrupt other people. I had a friend uh, that I went to Auburn with, and uh, he used to, uh, growing up as a, as a kid in grammar school, we went together in the second grade, and third grade too, but he was a sissy. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't beat his way out of a wet paper bag. And I used to take up for him with the bullies. And uh, he would tell them when they would bully him, he would, he would say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Because they were always calling him sissy and baby and mama's boy. And, and on. But the truth was, the words really were hurting him. And so when I went to Auburn, because uh, I, I didn't see Wallace much after, after elementary school, a couple of years with elementary school, well, when he got to Theodore, he started lifting weights. And he could stand in military without jumping 160 pounds, which is a lot of weight. And he could take 100 pounds and do this with it without even cleaning, jerking it. And so when I got to Auburn, that little sissy was no longer a little sissy. Matter of fact, I, it took three of us to put him in the showers in Magdorm. We said, Wallace, you're just so arrogant. We're going to put you in the showers. He said, try. You see. But words do hurt. And they had hurt him. And so he, he got to the point where he wasn't going to take it anymore. Because they were really hurting him. Because what we say can really uh, corrupt people, change people. It changed him. He had to defend himself. But you know, even in religion, even in Christianity and, and, and false gospels and so forth, you can corrupt other people by what you tell them. You better make sure when you tell something that it's the gospel truth, that it's coming out of God's word. If you say, well, you know, you're saved by grace through faith, but you also got to be circumcised or baptized or whatever, uh, that's not true. You see, you've just corrupted the gospel. No, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the shed blood of Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That's salvation. It's all about Jesus. And so when the Jehovah's Witness come around and they say Jesus isn't God, they are corrupting people by saying that. And they're going to be held accountable for it. They're responsible for it, even though they're ignorant of it. God is very clear about that. Uh, but 
What is uh, some examples, examples of corrupt language? Words of sinful anger, rage, slander, abusive speech, lying, dishonesty, unkind, hurtful words, uh, defamation, gossip, vulgarity, dirty stories and jokes, sexual uh, innuendos. These things are still in our rotten hearts. And so Paul says, control it. Control it, he says. Don't let it out. Don't speak it. You may think it, but you don't have to speak it just because you think something. You know, zip it. And as Barney said, nip it in the bud uh, from Andy Griffith. Fourth, Fourth principle. Our speech must be edifying. What is the ultimate aim of, of what Paul is saying? Uh, it's to speak so as to build up your neighbor, to heal your neighbor. It's a positive aspect of this that's so important because what we say to people really does matter and they really are taking in what you're telling them. And uh, it is, uh, uh, should be a very positive aspect of our speech. Uh, Proverbs, like I said, it speaks a lot of that. Go and read it. It's just, oh man, here's another verse, another verse. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Have you ever, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever been pierced by words? They're just like a knife. But the tongue of the wise brings what? Make sure that's what you're doing. That you bring healing to people. When you talk to somebody, do they say, boy, I'm glad we had this conversation. Uh, This has been really helpful. Uh, We should bring encouragement, help, cheer, comfort, instruction. We need to stimulate people to love and good works. Not talk about nothing and wasting our time and their talk. Now, I love, I do love, you know, just uh, small talk. Small talk's fun. But there comes a time when small talk needs to end and and really deal with uh, important things. Uh, Because we, you know, my dad was a master, I think, of uh, speaking to people. And if you needed help on something, he could get right to the heart of it. But when you got through speaking with him, you were always glad you talked to him because he always had to say something to you that was important, that you needed to hear. And that's the way we should be. I've had so many people tell me, you know, your dad changed my life by what he said to me. Wow, what a testimony. What a testimony uh, that is. Fifth principle, our speech must be appropriate. For the building up as fits the need and fits the occasion. This is what Paul is saying here. What you say should be appropriate to the occasion. The appropriate time. When to say the right thing. Uh, Gentlemen, if your wife comes in the afternoon after cutting the grass. And... My wife likes to cut grass, by the way, of a riding lawnmower. But anyway, she comes out and she's weeded the flower beds. She and, and the, the the lawn looks wonderful. Okay, and you, and you wow, look at that. But you go inside and you say, 
Darling, the, uh, the, the inside of the house is a tragedy. That's probably not the appropriate time to say that, right? We have to be careful when we tell somebody uh, what they need to hear. Uh, it would be like saying uh, or watching the Alabama-Auburn football game, okay? And it's the fourth quarter. The score is tied. Auburn's driving, and he's, they're down on the 20-yard line with a minute to go. And you say, you know what, family? I think we'll have family devotions. And you turn the... T- see, that's not... Now, family devotions are good, but see, that's not appropriate. It's not appropriate to do things at certain times, even though they're good to do. So I think you maybe... I think maybe that one got across uh, a little clearer here. Uh, and, of course, that list is endless, too. And we do it, We all do it all the time. Uh, I think we need to wait for the right setting. Again, Proverbs 25, 11... Like apples of gold in settings of silver, we need to be in settings of silver is a, uh, a ruling rightly given. Like apples of gold in setting of silver, we need to be using the proper setting when we speak. Uh, the proper setting for everything that we that we say. Uh, also, we must consider the person we're speaking to. Where are they in their Christian life? Can they even bear what we're saying to them? Is everything we're telling them over their heads? Do you like to ramble just to hear yourself speak? My dad used to call these people LTTs. They love to talk. And he would go away and say, well, that's an LTT. They love to hear themselves talk. And a lot of times have very little to say. Talk, 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 talk. We need to be very careful of that. You know, interesting, if you study the woman at the well, you know, Jesus didn't, when she came up and he encountered her, Jesus didn't say, you know what? I want to give you the four spiritual laws right now. He didn't say, I want to talk about regeneration, sanctification, glorification. Uh, No. What did Jesus do? What speech? He dealt with her where she was. He talked about living water. That he was the living water that she needed to drink. So that was a proper time to say what he said. A lot of times... We're bulls in china shops as Christians. And we drive people away. They think we're crazy. And uh, uh, so I think we need to befriend people. They need to see who we are, that we're genuine, that our lives have really been changed. And then we can lead them to Christ. And so that's very important uh, to do as as, uh, we deal with other people. Uh, Sixthly and lastly, our speech must be gracious. It must be gracious. That it may give, Paul says, grace to those that hear. It would be gracious to those that hear. Uh, This is not speaking of saving grace, but whether talking to an unbeliever or a believer, they should see the evidence of the grace of God in our lives. This is what he's talking about here. They should see 
the joy that we have in Jesus. They should see uh, the love we have for other people, the love we have for them. Uh, uh, all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, all of these things, you know, they need to see in us. Uh, it's so important that we uh, are gracious, very gracious uh, to those that uh, we deal with. Do they see us as hypocrites because of the way that we live? We're commanded to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, to help others along to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. You know, humor is good. I love a good joke. But I don't tell jokes from the pulpit. I don't think it's the proper time or place to tell jokes. Now, you know, if some do, that's fine. And, I, and it might be an inappropriate joke uh, at, at times. But uh, this, is, this is serious business here. This is serious. And, uh, uh, but I don't think you have to be serious all the time. And yet some Christians, you know, are just serious all the time. They won't even laugh. They don't enjoy themselves. They don't relax. And uh, so we have to be careful of that. Our speech must be gracious. And I'm going to deal with that more in a minute. But I want to just give you in closing three, very quickly, uh, three directives, I think, that we can learn from this. Uh, And that is, this all starts with your heart. It's all about your heart. Because what you say is coming out of your heart. Because that's where the filth is. For out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, the mouth speaks. So how do we do that? You do that with filling your mind with God's word. You fill it with with what's good. You put off, but then you have to put on, or then you're just empty. If you put off and don't put on, uh, what good is that? Colossians 3 16 says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, that's the key right there, with gratitude in your hearts. It starts with the the heart, um, filling our minds with God's Word. Paul said also in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is uh, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, you put off the old, but you also put on the new and think about all that's pure and right and noble. You fill your heart with truth. Uh, We must be on the offensive. Not just watching what we don't say, but saying the right things because we've filled our hearts with right things. Secondly, focus on your neighbor is the second application. Forget the idea that your mouth exists for your own benefit. That's pretty 
Forget the idea that your mouth exists for your own benefit. That your speech is all about you. Look at me. Me, me, me. Look at my needs. Look at my wants. Look, I know you want to know all about me. And I'm fixing to tell you all about me. Because it's all about me. Is that what we leave people with? Worn out because they haven't even gotten a word in edgewise because we're telling them all about yourself, all about me, me, me. No, it's about your neighbor. It's not about you. That's the, uh, so important in God's word. Your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Thirdly and lastly, Look to your Savior. Look to Jesus. Look to Him. Fix your eyes upon Him. Look to His example, for one thing. In John chapter 21, I didn't have this up on the screen because I thought about this after uh, I'd finished and Janine had typed the, the verses up. But I want you to, to read... John on your own. John 21. Because this particular chapter shows us the grace of Christ more, I think, more than any other incident. Well, there are a lot of them. But in, in, uh, in here, he is talking about fishing. And he tells his disciples to cast their net on the right side of the boat, as you know. That's being very gracious. They had fished and not caught anything. Not only that, when they got to the shore, he was very gracious because he had a fire going. Fish were cooking. That's being very gracious. You see, Jesus was all about other people. You look at his life. You cannot find Jesus worried about, concerned about his needs. It was all about other people. And we need to be the same way. And one of the ways that's done is through what we say to other people. Is it tearing down or is it building up? Are we edifying? Are we making people say, man, I'm glad I had that conversation with you. You helped me so much. Or do they go away thinking that guy's got more problems than I do? Why go to him? And sad to say, I think that's probably the impression I've left at times. But we need brothers and sisters to be gracious. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we have looked into your word, how convicting it is, Lord. Because I know how far short I've, uh, I fall in this area of speech. Because, Lord, so much it's, it's about me, my needs, my wants, me, me, me. Listen to my story. Listen to the importance that I have to, to give you, the, the instruction that you need. And Lord, it's all about me. Help us, Lord, to see the needs of other people and be sensitive, God, like Jesus was to the needs of others. And we ask this in his precious name. Amen.